Hello, welcome to Shooting the Shit. It is the 6th of December and we are in the midst of the 16 days of activism. So today we are going to talk about 16 days of activism. What is it? Gender-based violence and how does that relate to the workplace? So what do we need to do as, as employees if we have uh, staff or colleagues who are dealing with that kind of thing at home? And also what can the workplace do to, to help support these causes generally? So you may notice there's only two of us today if you're watching us. So, uh, But Rishi's due to join us, so we'll let her, we might let her in when she arrives. Um, but Hannah, what's your name and where do you come from? Hello, I'm Hannah. I'm one of the co-founders of Shooting the Shit. I am a director of a marketing agency and I do lots of other things. And that's me. Rishi's oh, here. Yeah. She's here. Here she is. She's in the house. Sorry, guys. That's all right. Bear with. Can you hear me all yeah. right on this? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought there was an echo then, but then I realised that you were just repeating everything that you said. <laughs> no, no, there was an echo, but I think it stopped. So I think we're fine. Yes, it has. I'm not, I'm not just saying everything twice, like uh, some sort of version of my own shadow. Um, Rish, what's your name? Where'd you come from? Hi, I'm Rish. Um, I. Where do I come from? Well, lots of different places in life. No, not really. It's not really that exciting. I come from the Midlands. I have the a... Midlands. <laughs> the Midlands. The Midlands, I know. The Midlands. <laughs> in my defence, I'm recovering from a cold, so I sound even more manly than I usually do. Um, and, yeah, so I, I do telecoms, I do marmalade, um, and I do podcasts like this. Yes. You do. Um, and I am also recovering. From, all of us are recovering from a cold at the moment. And so I would just like to point out that I have got terrible lighting. I am pale, but the lighting is accentuating this. And I don't normally have this green hue to my face. So I, <laughs> I need Rachel, to your internet, your internet is so slow, you can barely make out that you've got a human face anyway. So don't worry about it. You're so pixelated. Standard. Oh, I, I wonder if I, I might try and switch over then to the other one. But we're having, uh, as you may be surprised to hear, Wi-Fi issues in makeup at the moment. Yeah, it's too late for that shit. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, fine. As long as you can hear me, that's all that matters. Um, right. Let's crack on then. So first of all, 16 days of activism. Does anybody know what the 16 days of activism is or would you like me to tell you? Tell us, Rara. <laughs> okay, so the 16 Days of Activism is actually, it was started by Unite, which is um, something that Kofi Annan, who used to be the UN director, started. Um, but it, the UN has picked it up and now lots of organisations around the world have picked it up. And it starts on the 25th of November, which is the International Day for the Elimination of Violence Against Women. And it finishes on the 10th of December, which is Human Rights Day. And throughout those two points, there are 16 days of activism, surprisingly enough. Um, and the theme usually is Orange the World. So basically, everybody is supposed to dress in orange, make buildings be lit up in orange, eat things that are orange. It's right up your street, Rish. It's all about the moms. Um, and basically, campaign and, you know, do a lot of things on social media, but also do offline campaigning and try and eliminate gender-based violence. Um, I know about it because it's something that the Seroptimists do, but I'm sure if you have been on social media, you will have seen people oranging the world um, and, and fighting the 16 days. Have, have either of you two seen any of it? Yes. 
Good. <laughs> oh, there we go. That's marvellous, isn't it? I have, have you not. not. You're no. not on socials, though, are you? Very much. I I do lurk in the background, um, but it's it's maybe it's maybe just I don't move in the the same kind of circles. So actually, I don't think it's as widely known about as um, you know you you would maybe think. No, it absolutely isn't. And this is the thing, it's been going for quite a number of years now. And every year, um, you know, people, as I say, get, get the town hall lit up in orange uh, and all sorts of, you know, visible things in, in very, very visible places. Um, and yet very few people actually know about it. If you're not kind of in those organisations that actively support this kind of stuff, which is mainly the UN, women's organisations, that kind of thing, um, big big charities market so you know like christian aid and all the rest of it um but yeah if you're not if you're not moving in those circles a lot of people haven't heard about it which begs the question how are we going to change the world if we can't even get the message out there in the first place that we're we're doing the 16 days um so first Wait, thing Marie, did, did you have oh, a question on it yeah it, on, it, 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 it kind of feeds into that because do you think that it's a uk based um kind of lack of you know sharing of this kind of stuff is it more prevalent around the world than it is in the UK and is that because there is an assumption that there is less workplace violence in the UK than there is you know in other places around the world discuss yeah sorry yeah, that no, will be it's a, well it's a very good point and as I say you know it was started it was a Kofi Annan's um initiative so it's very much better known in in Africa and in India generally um, because there are well there is a, just a lot more gender-based violence that that mm. takes place statistically in those countries than there is in the UK although we've still got a shit in lot of it um, mm. and yeah I think that it's picked up by more organizations there like say in the UK it just tend to be the big charities and it tends to be women's charities that pick it up and run with it whereas mm. in in Africa and India it's very much everybody does it and one thing that I think we should talk about is the fact that it is gender-based violence and in the UK with the gender-based violence because violence uh, you know domestic abuse does not just happen rape does not just happen to women as we have said many times mm -hmm. on this podcast and yet in the UK it is only women's organizations that pick it up and run with it whereas in Africa and in India and things they very much are more around that gender-based um, you know aspect of it. I wonder why in this country we all focus on women and um and not kind of gender, you know, not just domestic, the setting or the the power struggle. I wonder why it's seen as such a female mm. uh, problem, well, like a women's this problem. Is this is back to that conversation we were having when we did our International Men's Day special, isn't it? That um, mm. I think there just are a lot more women's charities. There are a lot more, you know, re women's refuges. All of those things are set up to support women. And, and they're just, hello, yub yub. And there just isn't as much of it. Uh, you know, there aren't as many charities that, that support men who are experiencing domestic violence or have experienced rape. Um, and it's only in recent years that that, that started entering the... The consciousness and the and the, the national dialogue isn't it and i'm not being facetious when i say this but i do wonder if things like punch and judy had a hand in that because it was very much like uh, 
a, a portrayal of violence against women by the men, you know, the wife beater. Like there is a bit of a kind of like subculture in Britain of wife beating, like, you know, you've got your string vest on, like the vest is called the wife beater. Stella Artois is known as wife beater. Like, you know, the, there is a kind of, it was almost accepted that you had a few pints and then you knocked your missus about. Um, and maybe it's kind of toxic masculinity is is really prevalent here. And we've got this culture of, you know, gender based of violence against women in the home. Well, it absolutely is, isn't it? And I mean, there's uh, we when we've been doing our, our recent campaign against sort of spiking, I mean, just if in, in like the Manchester gay clubs, there's been a massive increase in spiking and men are drugging and then raping other men. But there's, I mean, there's a lot of shame for women to come forward and say, I've been raped, isn't there? And it's it's a horrendous, but, but far fewer men will come forward and say, actually, I've been raped and I was put in this situation. Mm. So, you know, even when we talk about statistics you know statistically we have less of it in the uk we don't actually know that because actually most of it most of the the violence that happens against men is not being reported for, mm. for a multitude of reasons mm. so yeah although there was a, a friend of mine from india posted a, an article that the indian times uh, had run not an article sorry so the indian times you know the, a respected publication was running a facebook poll to find out whether or not it was ever acceptable for a man to beat his wife and there were it was like you know 50 50 ish with the results that were coming through. So, you know, we, we have this uh, sort of Western view of, oh, we're sort of over that now when we've got equality and men don't beat their husbands, uh, men don't beat their wives and all the rest of it. And and we forget that in, you know, in other countries, it's, it's really prevalent still, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And in this country. Okay. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, one of the other things that 16 Days of Activism this year is particularly trying to tackle is the massive rise in domestic abuse that the global pandemic has seen. So thanks to all of the multiple lockdowns that we've all been put under, um, you know, the, 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 those who are not safe at home have suddenly been locked in environments where they are not safe. Um, and, and so rates of domestic abuse have gone through the roof and we know this from you know what, what local women's refuges are absolutely bursting at the seams um but also that extent that's not just women again that you know this is children that are being beaten and this is men that are being beaten so um you know the, the 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 impact of the global pandemic is far further reaching than we thought and i think it's one of those things we talked about this didn't we during the first lockdown we talked mm. about the the risk of people who are at home and aren't safe and things were put in place and the comp then the conversation moved on and we've never come back to it and i think it's really important that we keep that conversation going because we're not currently in a lockdown but we might be in another and lockdowns are happening all over the world at various points aren't they yeah i think as well like it was a world cup year and that that statistically shows that it, it increases the risk of gender-based violence or domestic violence um which is you know not good i think you know the the whole you know lockdown situations you know across the world i don't i think we've we've barely even scratched the surface with how it's affected people like yeah. you know not not just from a you know a, a violence perspective, but just you know mentally you know health. There's just 
so much that's tied into this and I just mm. don't think we're anywhere near out of it either quite frankly because we're just living in this world of constant you know like the news there's, there's always something in the news about you know there's always a new variant there's always this there's always that and that just seems to be how it is now and I, and I just think the violent side of things well you know almost by default it's it's you know it's hidden you know and so yes there's probably you know m lots more of it going on but it's still being hidden we're, we're nowhere near you know knowing how much going on it's true and i think as well the long-term impact as well so yes during lockdown people locked in environments that weren't safe but now you've got spiraling costs you know the cost of living is going up which is increasing stress on relationships and families mental health is deteriorating because we've had this uncertainty and people have been locked in and we we were already in a mental health pandemic like crisis and you know i don't know many people that have come out of lockdown unscathed mentally and lots of people are suffering from ptsd and have got complex grief and have lost people and have got now long-term health complications from having covid or additional care and responsibilities so all these kind of long-term second-hand um consequences of lockdown and the pandemic are going to increase pressure on family units uh, and thus increase the likelihood of domestic violence or gender-based mm, violence. It's pressure from all sides, isn't it? Absolutely. You, yeah. You've not just, you know, you've got the, the chances of people being stressed and therefore becoming violent is massive, but then, you know, you're trapping everybody together so they've got the opportunity. So we've got this perfect storm that's going to arise. Yeah. So how as employers, can we fix it? <laughs> Okay, well, yeah, how can we fix it? Well, um, there are several sort of aspects that we need to look at when we're thinking about, you know, how do we deal with this in the workplace? And I think one of the first things that we need to think about if we're, if we're thinking about in the workplace, so that's whether or not you are an employer dealing with an employee or whether you are a colleague dealing with a, another colleague who is, um, you know, coming and disclosing something. The, the first thing that we need to recognise is that it might not always be obvious or it might be obvious and somebody might not want to disclose it and and that's that's the first difficulty is how do you create an environment where those conversations are even possible because i'm going to give you four steps of what we can do once we've disclosed it but the first you know piece of the puzzle is how do we make our workplaces spaces where people feel that they can talk about it because i think one of the big things one of the big things that people have is the fear that if they tell somebody that is very quickly going to escalate and then they'll somebody will tell the police and then somebody will tell social services and they're going to lose the kids and blah, blah, blah. So how do we create environments where people feel safe to talk about it? There's also, well, I mean, it's not even creating environments where people, I mean, it is obviously creating environments where people feel safe to talk about it. And that comes down to culture and just not being a dick with your staff, being kind, being caring. Um, but also it's it's maybe training managers to spot the signs and spot warning signs like a partner's creeping around the workplace or um, people are like, it's clear that someone's having control exerted over them because they their working pattern needs to change because the partner says so or their level of work or productivity is deteriorated or they're coming into work with signs of, you know, physical abuse. Like I think it's, it's training staff to spot these signs and not just ignoring it, but knowing how to approach it so that you're not 
either putting putting your colleague in more danger, putting them in an awkward situation, or making assumptions. Um, yeah. I think that's really important. Training is absolutely vital, isn't it? And it's got to be the first step. And training has to be for everybody, not just for, you know, managers or bosses. You've got to put that in place because I think what's really important that you said there, Hannah, is it's not always visible. It's not always somebody coming in with a black eye or they've got a cut on their head or they've got broken their arm for the fourth time this year. You know, it could be coercive control. It could be that their, their boyfriend or their, their wife is always waiting in the car for them at five minutes to finish in time and then not allowed to stay and they've got to rush out the door to you know to be out on time or somebody's constantly texting them this is another thing mm. you know if somebody's constantly checking their phone uh, very often that would be a, a, a you know go to a disciplinary and a manager might be like right you can't be on your phone all the time I'm going to take it off you well actually if you've got somebody at home then who is going to go ballistic at you because you haven't answered their text message all day you're then doubly punished, aren't you? So it's it's yeah. learning how to recognise all of those subtle signs um, and perhaps not going straight to punishment. Yeah, or they might spend a lot longer at work or, you know, not want yeah. to go home or not want to go make home. jokes yeah. a bit. Yeah, yeah, so I think that's that's really important. I did see another thing as well that a, a workplace had done, um, which somebody was sharing on social media. And what they had done was they had set up in lunch just a sort of drop-in centre. And, and it wasn't an obvious thing. They had a they had a trained counsellor, but again, it doesn't ha necessarily have to be that depending on how your workplace works. But it was just, a, I will be at this place for 15 minutes. And if you want to tell me something, anything, um, you can come and tell me something. And if you don't want to come and tell me in, me in person, and you can leave me a note or you can drop me an email and you know it can even be anonymous uh, and I thought that was a really interesting way of doing it you know literally offering a space for that conversation to happen should somebody need to do it I, thought, mm. I don't know it's not always practical in every workplace is it but it's a nice idea it is yeah and and um I think just having re like vehicles for that open dialogue however you do it is really important and allowing somebody to disclose but also you know, you can support a colleague without necessarily having a disclosure and you certainly don't need proof in order to support a colleague. You know, you shouldn't be asking to kind of see their bruises or speak to their partner or whatever. You know, if you suspect that somebody is a victim of, of gender-based violence, you you treat them as if they are. You know, you don't need to to see proof. So if if they are you know not feeling safe on the way to work you can change their change their working location or ask them what it is that they need that will help them you know you might want to start staggering their work time you know their their um start and end time so you know don't don't make assumptions but but you might get the gist without a full you know open disclosure, disclosure. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. OK, so let's assume then that disclosure has happened. So uh, somebody at work has said that they are a victim of, uh, you know, domestic abuse in some form or another. There are four steps. Now, just to say there, there are loads of resources available about this. And um, I will put the links to the websites in the show notes and in the comments. Um, there are free 
toolkits that you can download from various places. Um, so if you, you know, if you haven't got a budget for training staff, you can at least get some access to some free resources and share them amongst your staff so they've got that knowledge. Um, but there are this, there's this thing called the four R's approach. So the first one is, is the first R is recognize. And we've kind of talked about that already. It's, it's, you know, uh, may, may allowing that, um, that disclosure to happen. If it isn't a verbal disclosure, recognizing that there still might be that issue, even though you don't have to actually say it. But I think also mm. it's, it's just come down to believing somebody, isn't it? If somebody's told you that, they're, they're probably not lying, are they? Yeah, definitely. And some signs could be like frequent absences or lateness or like the obvious physical signs, decreased productivity where someone's previously been you know, a good worker or um, tearfulness and, and uh, unexplained injuries and things like that. So, yeah. Mm. Just as a, as a side note, um, because I think we, we do need to recognise this, have any, of, uh, have any of you worked in a workplace where you feel you could disclose something like this should you have needed to? Um. I don't know. I think I, I, I can't. I can't comment because luckily I haven't had the issue, you know. And and I think you know the main thing for for me coming out of this conversation now is actually that if and, and there's some massive assumptions going to be made here, but you know how I am. I like to you know just yes, put those blankets. Out there. That, that's that's what you're here for, Rich. <laughs> yeah, but I think you know there's 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 going to be an assumption that if you work for a bigger company. But you have the the means, you have the people, you have the backup to be able to manage something like this. And when I say manage, I use that term very loose there because there's there's lots of you know things that come with you know managing you know this conversation. But for me, it seems like actually what needs to happen in the UK is for there to be a small business pack that means you have to have these things in place or you have to at least have an awareness of them because 90, I'm sure there's going to be like 99% of people wouldn't have even considered this kind of stuff, especially in a small business, because you just don't, because all it is is like, I'm, I'm making this widget. That's what I've got to do. I've got to sell it next. I've got to do this. I've got to do accounts. I've got to, you know, and so on and so on. And then people find themselves in positions of management or in, you know, being able to, you know, bring in staff and have absolutely no knowledge of any of this. And therefore, wouldn't know how to talk about it or how to deal with it and wouldn't even know where to go to, you know. So to me, it seems like there has to be some kind of like basic stuff in place to say okay if you're starting up a business this is what you need to know about yeah uh, no, i think and, as well there's a massive you know the, all of those um prejudices that we have all of those unintentional internalized prejudices mm -hmm. you know because again if we see a, a woman if we're working in an office with a woman and she's always coming in with bruises or she's really quiet or her boyfriend's always checking up on her we are going to go i think she's been abused but actually mm -hmm. if there were if we were working in an office with a man who constantly came in with bruises we're probably going to go think like oh they play football at the weekends or they they do dirt biking or something aren't we and uh, you know we our minds would never go to actually there might be something a little bit more damaging happening here and and so you're right Rish, that that training is really important and I, that's why I say for every member of staff to say mm -hmm. actually look out for these things and don't make assumptions about what it is because it could be something completely different that you've never thought about. Yeah 
But I think as well, like the same is true with friends. Like I, how many yeah. of us have, you know, failed to spot the signs, not necessarily even of abuse, but of many things, you know, in, with your friends, depression or anxiety or whatever with your friendship circles, because everyone is so focused on their own shit. Um, and, you know, maybe if we all just took a little bit of time to recognize the warning signs for a variety of issues with our friends or just with people, then the workplaces would be um, safer as well. And, you know, that kind of, if everybody was watching out for each other, then nobody would have to do special training on it. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, but the problem there to, like, as well day. is... The thing with that is we are British, though, aren't we? Uh, you know, no sex for British, please. And the thing is, uh, you know, I've had friends who I suspect are not in very healthy relationships. And I see things that, I, you know, I've been in a not very healthy relationship. I was in yeah. one that was, it wasn't physically abused, but it was a lot of coercive control. And, you know, it yeah. destroyed me by the time I came out of it. So I, I can see warning signs in people. Um, and I've seen it in friends. And I still, I, I wouldn't have the confidence to go to them and say, I think you're in an abusive relationship. For one thing, that's not my position. You know, I'll probably say it to Hannah because she's my sister or my, my very, very best friend. But anybody else, I would feel really uncomfortable starting that conversation because it's not my place to say it. So, again, yeah, you know, there's that barrier, though, like, isn't there? That's your friend. Can you imagine then as an employer going to, some, yeah. going to you know, someone and saying, I think you might be in an abusive relationship, which is exactly. why it's important that rather than kind of demanding a disclosure and demanding some evidence that, that you kind of recognize the signs and say, like, can I help you with anything? Is there anything that, you know, that you want to talk to me about? Is there anything I can do as your employer that will make your life easier? Because I've noticed that you're sad or, you know, tearful or late or staying late at the office or, um, you know, um, coming in with a few injuries. Is there anything that you need from me? And I think it's yeah. just opening that dialogue. Yeah, and you are, you are. Oh, go on, Rish. Uh, I was just going to say, I think that that actually starts from, you know, hindsight is a wonderful thing, isn't it? And, and I think you know, that that starts from day one, even before yeah. anything else has happened. You know, you know, God forbid it happens and you have to deal with it in the workplace. Yeah. But if you build an environment where, you know, conversations can happen, then it's less of a a an event you know, if you go and talk to somebody, you know, as a separate thing. So like I'm using my own, you know, employment, um, you know, as, as example, if someone was, you know, to have a meeting, you know, that in itself starts to raise questions because we never had meetings. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, oh, we go into the meeting room, what's going on? Who's getting sacked, yeah. you know? <laughs> <laughs> And there's only like you know five people in the bastard business, so I don't know what's going on. But you know, it starts you know asking questions straight away. So therefore, that means you know may make someone feel well. I'm not going to because yeah. it's you know you know create more questions. So I think it's like there's so much to think about as an employer, you know, because yeah. you've got to enforce all of these things. But it's got to be from day one, right? I think yeah. you're right, and and as like we always try and do this to our staff. Um, you know give them that kind of pep talk at the beginning saying 
you know, you can talk to us. We, we're job. Your job is second. Your life is first. And like, we need to fit in around you in your life. So whatever it is you need from us, you know, we'll do. And, and you can have the flexibility that you need so that your life is happy and your job is bearable because that's the that's the order it should go in but it's very difficult like you have to persistently demonstrate that you can say it till you're blue in the face but a new person who doesn't know you especially if they're kind of starting out in the career and they're young like you know you don't believe them and you don't feel comfortable so we have to model that behavior for one thing, and as managers, we have to prioritize our own lives and let them see that, you know, I'm taking the dog for a walk because I've had enough today or like I'm finishing yeah. early because I've got to do the horses before it's dark or whatever. Like we take good care to model that behavior and talk about it. Like if if me and Rachel, I remember when me and Rachel first, first started out and it was just the two of us, we would ring each other on a weekly basis and one of us would cry and we yeah. just and we tend to take <laughs> it, it great in turns. <laughs> yeah and we'd take it in turns and the other one would pep talk and then we took somebody else on we brought Alicia in and we never told her this and she was melting down on her own feeling like she couldn't talk to either of us because we never actually said we cry every week like we have a freak out every single week we just you know do it on the phone and didn't tell you really yeah, yeah, just didn't tell her. So, like, as an employee, you're right. Think about it from the beginning, but but model that openness, that trustworthiness, that that kind of two way communication and supportiveness, and talk about your your stance on domestic violence and uh, and abuse, and and kind of make it known that it's a, a welcoming, open environment that people can relax in and trust you. But also, yeah, that that point, Reese, that you made about it not being unusual is right. So we have, in our business, we have a, a fortnightly meeting, a staff meeting, and at that meeting, we go around and we say, are you okay? Are you managing your workload? How do you feel? You know, it's in front of everybody, but but that we do that every single week, and, and we are all honest. We, like as Hannah says, we're honest about our workloads. If we're struggling, we'll say, I'm fucking fed up this week it's horrendous um but also it's normal and then we offer the space afterwards we say if you want to have this conversation privately we will you know there's time afterwards to have it privately or tell me when you want to have it but it has to be normal because otherwise like mm. i said at the beginning you know if you have a, a drop-in session for example in the canteen it has to be once a month otherwise mm. that person that then goes to it or when you say well we're having a domestic violence pop in today and all of a sudden one person goes everybody else in the office is going to know what's going on so you're like mm. it's just got to be a regular opportunity for people to come and disclose anything they want to disclose and if they disclose something you believe them and if they don't disclose and something you, yeah and you deal with it appropriately whether they're telling you that they're you know their skin or that they've got a disability or that they're really sad or that they're being abused whatever someone sits down and tells you deal with it appropriately and sensitively because if someone's sitting there thinking one day I'm going to get all the courage to disclose that I, I need some help because I'm I'm a victim of domestic abuse, and then they know that you've dealt with something really shit and like like you've been really bad at it, then they're not going to come and talk to you. So you know, as a company, as a manager, don't be a dick. I think is the the thing that we're trying to get across here. <laughs> I think as well though, but as as a as a manager. You know, yeah, yeah it's, it's it's for all parties, isn't it? And yeah, okay, we have responsibility mm. managers in in jobs, but we have. Yeah, so the that, first, uh, the first, I will just quickly just oh. return us. 
Ayo, ayo. I forgot I'm lagging. <laughs> I love it when this happens. It's so professional. <laughs> Give her a minute to catch up. Come on. Come on, Rachel. Come on, Rachel. Is she there? Is she there? I think we've got a massive lag. I think we have got a massive There's lag. There's a massive lag, isn't there? You guys can't hear what I'm saying now, can you? It's going to come in about five minutes. Ah. Well, we can hear what you're saying, but we don't know if it's live or not. So, <laughs> live. We don't know when you said it. <laughs> it's not. It's not catching up. No. <laughs> so, Rach. You stop talking. I don't know if you can hear me. No. No, she's 20 minutes behind. Like five minutes ago. Oh, my God. Okay, well, stop talking. So, right. number one is, is recognise. Yes. Uh, number two is respond. I can. I responded to you. Ah, wait. Right. Turn your video off, at least. Yeah, turn your video off. So number two is respond. So um, as an employer, there are some ways that you can respond and there are some things that you absolutely shouldn't do. Firstly, don't try and contact the abuser. Like that's like that's not your place. Don't try and seek proof. And and this is really important now. Don't adopt the role of a support worker. Like you are not a social worker and you're not a support worker. And you can signpost, you can help them at the office, but you're not going to rescue them. So, you know, you could actually end up making it worse and putting that person at risk. Rachel, you're back. I'm back. I'm back. Can you hear me at the right time? Well, I don't know, but we can hear you. <laughs> All right, good, good. That was awful. I was, I was about about a good minute behind then. That was horrendous. <laughs> Carry on, talking over us. So it felt pretty normal, actually. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> No right anyway very quickly back to the four r's so we have actually covered most of them now so first first r is recognize recognize that there's a problem if somebody tells it yeah you know acknowledge it the second r is respond we've already talked about that you know you respond in an appropriate way so put policies in place that will help them rather than punish them for the situation that they're in and make sure if you are putting those policies in place that you are asking the person what will actually help you and not just making a blanket managerial decision that this is what you need um because that's not what someone needs the third one one of you was just talking about it then the third r is refer so refer them on to a, an appropriate service. But the key thing here is if they ask for it. So it's back to that point, isn't it, of, you know, people think if they tell you uh, that they're a victim of domestic abuse, that all of a sudden the police are going to be involved and the social services are going to be involved. They're going to lose their kids and they're going to lose their home, the home and they're going to be discommunicated from their family. So I think it's really important that you refer, but you know rather than saying right now you have to go here it's more uh, here are some services that might help you i think as well like seeking help and telling somebody are two different things by telling you that their life is shit they're not asking you to save them they're not asking you for help necessarily they might just be sharing their load um, yeah. or asking for you know they might tell you what they need so don't don't kind of get on your white horse and, and try and rescue people. 
yeah absolutely it's really important it's really important um and so yeah and the final r is record which i mean you know if you've got a decent hr manager anyway you should be recording these things that are happening but but keep a record of it in your hr policies and your hr manual you know sympathetically <laughs> you can tell you don't do hr in your hr policy in your hr record. policies yeah in your, in your, i meant um i meant um I meant records, folders. didn't I? I meant folders. That's the word I was looking for. Folders. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> folders. All those folders that we all have uh, with paper in sitting on shelves. Um, and because one of the main reasons also that you record things is if there ever is a court case and if if the person who's the victim does decide to take it further and it does end up in court, your records will be required and, and you can then use those to support what, what that person is saying. So I think that's really important as well. Yeah, just to say about policies as well, like not everything requires a policy. Sometimes from an HR perspective, just a good policy is one that's flexible and, and you can therefore give somebody a little bit more freedom or scope or, or flexibility. So you know if your working hours are written in stone that they're nine to five and actually it works better for somebody if they can start a bit earlier and finish a bit earlier then then you need to be able to have that flexibility that you can allow one one person that or mm. that you can change the working time for everybody because you've got it written into contracts that you can make amends to contracts and stuff so like if like it doesn't always have to be a policy sometimes it's just not having a policy actually like you don't have a policy on it which allows you some flexibility which is mm -hmm. useful so like ACAS is a really good place to go to to get support and training on um kind of writing flexible policies and, and creating policies that aren't too rigid that allow scope and also on working with people specifically who've got kind of home needs Mm. Samara's made a good comment as well to say that include people with lived experience in policies, procedures and toolkits mm. and things like that. And I think that's really important because it's a bit like what you were saying before, Hannah, about, you know, we we are honest and we share our vulnerabilities and stresses and when we're having a paddy and when it's all getting a bit overwhelming. And it's exactly the same thing with, you know, domestic abuse, isn't it? If you can have a personal story, sometimes as well for certain people, it takes hearing somebody else's story for you to realize that actually you are in perhaps a coercive relationship or yeah whatever. and so by having you know be honest and open with people about you know, these are the stories of the people that work here and these are the things that we've experienced and that gives somebody that opportunity as well to to open up doesn't it yeah for sure any fire? So those are, as I said, I will post links to all of the resources that we've mentioned in the in the comments and in the show notes, so that you can find it. There is loads more information available out here. But I think the key takeaway from today is is just training, talking, and training. Oh, Dally, oh fuck God. off! <laughs> People on the podcast won't know what's happening, but my husband is standing at the door like a, a Jack Nicholson serial killer, staring at <laughs> like a bloody ghost. Yeah. 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 Um, any final thoughts? Anything we've missed, girls, about how, you know, what, what workplaces need to consider or what friends need to consider or what human beings need to consider when we're talking about gender based violence? Marisha? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we've missed anything. I, I, I just think it's very 
um, I think Hannah kind of uh, mentioned the point, and I think it's, you know, if you are not a social worker, you know, the majority of the time, you know, and actually you maybe need to, you know, take the advice of, you know, somebody that is a HR professional or a social worker or a counsellor, you know, um, don't try and be that if that's not your skill set, especially from a, you know, an employer perspective, you know, there's lots of resource out there, um, free and paid for, you know, people that, um, you know, do have the skill set and can help, especially when it comes to policies or no policies, et cetera, et cetera. I think, you know, you have to have a professional, um, you know, look at these things sometimes. And I think we're quite lucky shall i say um privileged that you know in in small businesses we can be flexible we can you know make decisions very quickly based on you know changes that need to be made in you know giant organizations it's not so simple and they do have to have you know things in place um you know and structure and things like that so you know i think it's just being sympathetic to your environment um and taking the, the steps that you need to to be able to support other people yeah, and I think from a, from a business management point of view, it's really important to make the point that this doesn't need to cost the earth. You know, there are a lot of free resources out there that can help if you don't have a budget for this. And like I say, sometimes it's just a case of doing a, an hour's training with some free resources with your staff to have that conversation. But, it, you know, there is also paid training. There is also, um, you know, one-to-one -one um, occupational health or uh, therapists or whatever that you can get either referred your staff to or bring them into the workplace so there are there are there are um solutions to suit all budgets and don't think that just because you're a small organization you can't afford this kind of thing because it we absolutely are only going to change things if we all start recognizing um gender-based violence basically hannah final thought um put the safety of your employees above everything not productivity so don't kind of come at it because don't be worried about you know how productive somebody is who's suffering or or is a victim think about their safety always yeah reach final thought i don't know i've had mine that's you it you I'm I do, yeah, I do this every time to you, don't I? I always let you come out with your nugget of wisdom and then make you look like a dickhead because you don't have a final thought. I haven't got any more there. That's yeah, it. That's it. That, was, that was my one nugget. I've used it. It was a bloody big nugget, though. It was a Thanks. good nugget. It was a Thanks. great nugget. Um, and I would just say, yeah, just don't make assumptions. Try and work on your inner assumptions about what yeah. domestic violence is um, and because it isn't necessarily that so don't don't just rely on your prejudices that is it um we are back in two weeks which will be monday the 20th of december for our christmas special that will be the last one of the year and then we'll be taking a little bit of a break uh, and working on our content calendar and coming back so if you have a subject that you think we should talk about that we haven't covered to do with feminism in the workplace um please let us know because we would very much like to. Um, that's if you it. want to be a guest, guests are always yes, welcome. If, yeah, absolutely. If you want to be a guest, if you've got something to talk about that you think we'll be interested in, pitch it to us. 
Um, thank you very much. If you are uh, watching the Facebook Live, thank you very much. And thank you for commenting. You, If you're watching it on Catch Up, you can continue to comment and we will still see it and we will still respond to you. If you are listening on the podcast, please leave us a review. And if you are watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe below, guys. Subscribe below. I love that subscribe you say, below. like, if you're watching on Catch Up, like, we're on the fucking ITV player or something. I know. <laughs> I know we are, yeah. We will tomorrow. We yeah. will be soon, won't we? That's it. Thank you very much. Yeah. yeah. Uh, time to wave, girls. Bye. Goodbye.